Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OK Sis, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics, such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to the OK Sis podcast. My name is Madeline Rose Mayo and I got my voice back a little bit. I don't know. It's still there. A little raspy. Okay. We got the vocal fray on fleek. Remember when people used to say on fleek? Oi. Not a good time in history. Oi. Moving on. Hello. I am Scout Sophia Sobel and today we do not have auctioneer Mads. We have... I don't know what this is, but it's it's a Mads. Yeah. It's a version of Mads. It's a it's a Mads. Yeah, the the energy levels are stagnant. Oh, it feels like I I'm like gliding through the air. Am I on drugs? I don't know. It feels like I'm gliding like on a hang glider. Hang gl- hanger, hang glider. And what song is playing in the background in this hypothetical movie scene? As it was by Harry Styles. Oh, okay. So it's not like No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. <laughs> no. Uh, also, she didn't sing that at Coachella. And also, what? there's a lot, I think, or maybe she did. I don't know. I don't really know what it how it sounds. And uh, there's been a lot of like Harry Styles chatter uh, in my life recently. Because of me? Because of you. Because uh, of just... I guess just because of him being who he is, but yeah, yeah, the chatter is the chatter is constant, and uh, yeah, so you'll hear a little more <laughs> in this episode. I went on a quick tangent. Today's episode is about enneagrams, but I did go on a tangent about why Harry Styles is attractive and someone to look up to, in my opinion. Um, if you follow us on Instagram at OKSIS Podcast, you know I jumped on stories and proclaimed him as my celebrity crush, yes. which feels accurate because I remember reading a Vogue article when he was on the cover of Vogue 73 exact weeks ago because I looked it up on my stories. And I wrote that if I ever have a boy, that I would really, really want him to be like Harry Styles, not in the sense, don't worry, babe, Adam, not in the sense that, you know, I want him to look, act, and dress in dresses, right? Which is totally fine if he does that too. But just in the sense that like, I want him to be free. Like Harry Styles is free and it's a pleasure to watch. Pleasure. Yeah, he's his full authentic self. He is living in his... But it's cool to see a straight man tapping into his femininity and being Mm. so confident in his feminine that that we are attracted to his masculine at the same time. Like... I mean, dude's dating Olivia Wilde, and what other guy can pull that off? You know, it's just awesome. Are you an Olivia Wilde stan? I have no fucking clue where she's even from. Yeah. It's indifference for me. It's indifference for me. Yeah, it's indifference for me. It's it's, uh, respect, like beautiful face structure, beautiful eyes, beautiful hair. Beautiful, beautiful face structure. If you're in a movie, sure, I'm sure you're great. Um, Haven't seen you in action yet. But yeah, it's just a, it's like a... You know, she was uh, married to our man, Ted Lasso. Jason Jason Sudeikis, I know. Mm -hmm. I wonder what Jason Sudeikis feels like. Going from Jason Sudeikis to Harry Styles is a... That's a thing. It's a jump. It's a leap. Jason Sudeikis is fine. He's dating a girl with big boobs. Oh. So. Okay. Like you. Oh. Wow. (laughs) 
His type is big boobs. <laughs> type, I don't think Olivia Wilde has big boobs. Literally every man's type. Is what? it every man's type? Because a lot of women yeah, don't no. have big boobs and yet they are sex symbols. Like who? Like Instagram models. Oh, <laughs> I feel like Instagram models have big boobs. What are you talking about? Like Kendall Jenner doesn't have big boobs. That's right. Haley Bieber doesn't have big boobs. Haley Bieber doesn't have big boobs. Okay, now we're just talking about women with boobs and not boobs. Is this good stuff? I don't know. Kylie Kylie Jenner has big boobs. Yeah, but those are manufactured. Oh, that this is true. Speaking of, we can kind of go into current fixations. I'm going to switch up my current fixation because it just occurred to me. Have you been watching the new Kardashians on Hulu? I didn't watch the old Kardashians, so. Okay. No. Okay. But I do want to. I do want to. You know what? It's exactly the same. I thought the format yeah. was going to be a little different. No, completely the exact same. But I'm not complaining. I fucking, it's incredible. So the first two episodes are about Kim going on SNL. So it's really interesting to see the behind the scenes of her prepping for it while also studying for the bar, like at the same exact time. Like she is a superhuman, like insane. Yeah. I'm just, okay, I'm going to go on the record and say that anybody who gives Kim Kardashian flack is like that she doesn't work hard and that no, she just does that, this stuff yeah. and she gets all this money. Absolutely not. Kim Kardashian will outwork all of us, period, end of story. She's the hardest worker on the planet. I think so. I think she works harder than the president. I wonder what her human design is. Maybe she's a Ooh, generator. She, maybe she's a generator because- People, it's like, I know that the she understands this is also part of her thing. Like Paris Hilton, for example, an extraordinary, very incredibly smart businesswoman who understands the power of a brand. Mm -hmm. She is, nothing that these people do are on accident. It is calculated. Oh, it, yeah. is, it is a strategy, you know, but Kim Kardashian and truly that whole family, but particularly her, I don't even want to know what her Google cow looks like. No, it's, it doesn't even, there's not even a white space. No. There's not even a white space. No. Paris Hilton also, talking about Paris Hilton, she's getting into the NFT space. She's getting into the metaverse. Like, she is. She is she just is. incredible. She's so, incredible. She's incredible. Kim, yeah. So I guess my current fixation is the new Kardashian show on Hulu. There's also a ton of Kravis content. I feel like you would enjoy it. They are so in love. Like, it's so cute to watch. And I, I really, really appreciate them bringing us behind the scenes like she really did not have to do that Courtney fucking hates being famous and hates being on the show but she yeah, why did she do that I think she is just so comfortable and so happy that she is just so excited to share it with the world she is you know grinding up on him straddling him left and right on the show I'm surprised Travis agreed to that yeah look I think he's also kind of like a little brainwashed they're like they have like um to quote Jared Freed come eyes on come goggles is that what it is i had to unfollow jared freed uh oh what happened the energy just wasn't working for me anymore <laughs> ever since he dm'd me that i was really upset at him for what you're referencing i was doing a jared freed impression while watching friends like what jared does for the bachelorette jared is a comedian and so i did an instagram story and i said am i the jared freed of friends and he just answered me and said no and I was like, that's yeah, kind of really rude. rude. Yeah, it's kind of really rude. rude. I mean, you're not at all, but like rude. Yeah, I just stopped. I don't know. The energy wasn't my jam. And I said, you know what? 
this is an unfollow moment for me. No, no disrespect. Wish him well. Wish him all the success yeah. at all of his comedy shows because I'm stoked he's doing comedy shows. But yeah, I think it was it was time. Yeah, the energy the energy wasn't aligned. That's that. I appreciate you understanding the energy alignment and prioritizing that. You know who I who have who has been an incredible Twitter follow. The sisterhood knows that I'm in. You know, I'm a Twitter gal now. You know who's an incredible Twitter follow? Who? Rod. Oh, really? So we know Rod from TikTok, of course, but he is a phenomenal tweeter. Okay. okay. He is phenomenal. Just, it makes sense. He's such a good, he has such good like one-liners. He has such good, just random thoughts, you know? People, oh, I just, I envy people who are good at Twitter. It's so interesting to me because I'm pretty sure this is the case with Rod, but I know it's the case with corporate Natalie, that corporate Natalie still has her corporate job. I know. I don't, I really don't understand why she does that. She's claimed that she does it like for research. Like she's like, I, I feel like I'll get out of touch if I, but I'm like, you girl, you need to take a leave of absence. I don't think Rod is, is working anymore. I think he might be. That is just so surprising to me. Okay, He's, so- Corporate Natalie was on Jason Tardik's podcast, which everyone here knows I'm a fan. And Jason, she wouldn't give the exact number of how much she makes per deal, like a real plus an Instagram deal. So Jason did the thing where he said, tell me if it's under or over. Oh, you told me this. And he said either 20K or 30K or something. And she said, oh, over. Holy fuck. I mean, Tink's for one TikTok is 150K. That is so crazy. That is, that's a down payment. Yeah, that's for crazy. one TikTok. That's crazy. No, so uh, also Jason Tardik was on Rod's podcast. I totally forgot that Rod had a pod. Oh. Rod had a pod. It, it was funny. Someone tweeted being like, I love Rod's podcast. And he was like, oh, thanks. I didn't know anyone was listening. It's <laughs> just like, I'm obsessed with them. So he had Jason Tardik. And he, the title of the episode is Jason Tardik explains what an NFT is to me like I'm nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> He's incredible. So to to that. Okay, was your current fixation the new Kardashian show? Yes, I highly recommend. Really good watch. Oh wait, do you watch Bridgerton? Are you Bridgerton? No, person? I'm not. Okay. okay, weird, but okay. So you didn't watch the first season? I watched the first episode and I couldn't understand what they were saying. You put subtitles. I just exited. It's the same. It's the exact same reason you put subtitles for The Crown. The exact same way, reason you put subtitles for Succession. So you don't miss anything. Yeah, I know. It's been coming up on my Netflix a lot. So I know that I have to jump in on it. So there was a whole hoopla. You know, the internet made a hoopla as it does with these things. The first season of Bridgerton was very sexual seduction. Okay. There was a lot of sex that none of us knew was coming. It hit mm. us like a fucking a ton of dildos, okay? No trigger a warning. Full of, no trigger warning. A, no, absolutely no trigger warning for the sex. Tits out, tits out. Dick out, tits Dick e out. Everything out. Dick and everything tits out. out Got okay? It. Like this show is like so, you know, prim and proper and they're in the olden ages and <laughs> olden age. I don't even know what I'm era a blacksmith there. Mine is a princess. <laughs> you would have been. There are blacksmiths in it, so you would have been there. And <laughs> So yeah, the, the it was like, we were all like, while we were watching the first season, like, holy, f wow, okay, yes, yes, please, immediately, yes. So the second season comes out, and 
obviously people like binge it. And so I just like hadn't, you know, whatever a day goes by. I hadn't like watched it and people are like, oh my God, there's no sex. Like it sucks. And so then I was like, ugh, like, okay, then I'm not going to watch it because like 90% of the reason we watched it was for the sexual relations. So then I didn't watch it for months. And then, you know, my friend, my best friend, Brett, she's been on the pod. She was like, girl you gotta watch it and I was like yeah but I hear there's no sex and she was like it doesn't matter like the tension is amazing like there's still there's it's still a love story like whatever so I watched it fantastic fan I don't know what the fuck everyone was talking about yeah of course would I have liked a couple more sexual scenes of course but we got what we got the tension was the tension was there and it's just so nice to be like part of that world part of the blacksmith world it felt so comfortable i was just i was transported part of it my just world felt, i was part of your world scout and i i would recommend it i think you would really enjoy the bridgerton lifestyle okay i will add it to my list can i do my current fixation yeah I know we just haven't done current fixations in a while. So, you know, I'm so like, you're just listing off all the things listing off everything. Okay. So I was toying between the dropout or we crashed for my current fixation. Okay. Obviously I have been obsessed with the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos trial. We all know this. I'm like up to date podcast documentary 2020 episode articles read online. Sunny's in trial right now. You know, I'm on it. So I loved the dropout. It was very, very good. And I felt as if since I knew so much about Elizabeth Holmes, it wasn't like a shocking situation for me because I just knew all this stuff, but it, it was very good. So yes, that's like my, ha- my like, that's like, you know, number two current fixation. Number one current fixation is We Crashed and phenomenal. Jared Leto plays Adam Newman and Anne Hathaway plays his wife, Rivka. And Anne Hathaway, it's, her name is I know, Rebecca. but Adam calls her Rivka. Anne Hathaway is so good. She's so she's so infuriating. That's how you know it's she's so, so good. good. She's like, so good. I roll my eyes every second. I love her. She's like, um, WeWork's goal is to elevate the world's consciousness and to elevate if, the world's consciousness. She actually sounds like Elizabeth no, Holmes. No, that sounds like Elizabeth Holmes. No, that was Elizabeth Holmes. There's a difference. There's a difference between Rivka and Elizabeth. Okay, so my favorite is like. So it's a school. Actually, it's it's more of a lifestyle for conscious living for children. We educate them from birth to death. Actually, no, now I'm doing Elizabeth. God damn it, now Maddie, you fucked me. Okay. okay, so you know that Ben June was in the writer's room for We Crashed. <gasps> Did he see Jared Leto? N- no, because he was in the writer's room. Did he write Rivka's lines? No, he was a writer's assistant in the writer's room. Incredible. And then, I love We I Crashed. Know incredible right so hi, yeah i i recommend it as well fantastic i need to i need to text ben june because this is ben june's best work yet <laughs> <laughs> this is ben june's best work yet yeah adam or jared leto as adam newman it's like it's so good. scary it's, it's so uncanny good. his israeli accent is just so unparalleled yeah the whole show is is phenomenal i highly recommend it as well rifka is like i can't believe this person exists on this planet it's uh, it's amazing it's a gift to all of us to feel better about ourselves to watch oh. this situation unfold because wow just you know that she uh so apparently i was asking benji and i was like is we grow like obviously got shut down but like what's going on? and he was like oh she bought the like curriculum from them yeah. and is and is trying to start it again yeah she bought like the name or something or she, oh no she changed the name to soul oh, what 
anyways, like there's a lot of hot takes about Adam Newman and his time at We Crash. I actually have a at WeWork. At sorry, we at WeWork. <laughs> I have a little bit more of a favorable like defense against him. Obviously, I think at the end he spiraled out of control, but I think there was a lot of attributes of his that got WeWork to where they got it. And I think that there should have been a lot more blame on the board for allowing their CEO to run amok like a child and for that investor to blindly invest $4.1 billion and put pressure on a company that basically destroyed it. So while, yes, Adam Newman was crazy, a lot of the reason we we work grew to what we work was at was because Adam was crazy. Like every step of the way, people tried to rein him in and he said no, and that's how they got to the next level. So I think that entrepreneurial like delusion and craziness and naivete really worked in his advantage. I just think the board did not give him enough checks and balances and that $4.1 billion investment was what ruined him. Like many CEOs can't run the business at a certain point and Adam Newman just couldn't get rid of his ego and he kept going and going and went crazy. But I mean, people are like comparing him to like Theranos and stuff like that. And because these types of stories are really popular right now, but like Adam Newman did not break the law. Adam Newman was not a fraud. He did though. Just keep watching, keep watching though, because it he does do like shady stuff at the end. I am watching. I'm up to date. I, I understand. Just let's wait till the end. There is, there is like legal things that he did that was fishy. So it um, wasn't completely... Yeah, it wasn't okay, completely like you can't like compare nothing. him to Elizabeth Holmes. Sure, 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 sure. I have a crush on Miguel. Oh, God. Poor Miguel. Like, I fucking love Miguel. I he feel is, so bad for Miguel. He is so cute. And that painting, that million dollar, multi-million dollar painting that he bought. 30, 30 million dollar painting. 30 million dollar painting that he bought that says, come, what does it say? I don't <laughs> come know. Come do it or something. Incredible. Just iconic. I want a guy like that in my circle, in my corner. Okay. Well, I'll find you a Miguel. And um, Thanks. yeah, that's my current fixation. Okay, sisters, today or this episode is the concluding installment of our readings. Yes. Uh, we kind of like inaccurately label them spiritual readings because not all of them are spiritual. Like I don't think human design is technically like labeled spiritual and Enneagram definitely isn't, but you get the point. We did another reading. Today we did Enneagrams, a per- which is a personality test. We had Sarah Jane on, who is an absolute expert. And we talk a lot about how me and Mads actually have, surprise, surprise, the same leading Enneagram number. We are both threes, which I really Spoiler felt- alert. Sorry. Well, but like no one knows what a three is yet. So I felt as if it was a really nice way to round out all the readings because I felt as if the other readings showed us how we were different. We're but so polar opposite. Yeah. But this reading really did show us where we have a lot of common ground, don't you think? hundred percent. And I think that's, that's so magical that we ended on this. Cause it was like, we are one in the same scout. Oh, just kidding. We were, we are more similar than we, than we think. Yeah. So enjoy this episode. And should we announce our next month's theme? Oh yes. Next month's theme, ladies, sisters, this is going to be such a good motherfucking month. This month is Money, 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 money. Must be funny. Must be funny. In a rich man's world. I I do want to preface it because you might be like, "Ugh, it's so unsexy." Like, "Ugh, money." But no, we are. We have 
such a lineup like people you know from tiktok people that talk more about like money mindfulness about approach and mindset as well as more practical things like finance and budget like you guys are gonna shit your little tuchuses off and we're gonna talk about money and it's gonna get uncomfy it's gonna get uncomfy because i didn't use i didn't like that topic but we're gonna change that and claim it as our own okay it's gonna be amazing so sisters get ready for that but first the lovely sarah jane case talking all about enneagrams enjoy enjoy Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before. And we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast. Because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. 
Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right, 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. We are so happy to have you. Okay, today is all about Enneagrams, and I feel like everyone knows about Enneagrams. I kind of blew up over the past couple years. So, just so that we can start from like a foundational place. Why don't you break us down, break down like what is Enneagram? Why do we, why should we give a shit about it? And what does it tell us about ourselves? Yeah. So it is essentially a personality typing test. Now the big difference between it and something like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC is that it goes underneath and gets into the motivations, the basic fears, childhood wounds, So you're looking at not just what you do, but why you do it. And it's broken up into nine distinct types. Each type has a basic fear, basic motivation, a childhood message that impacts the way that we engage with the world. It kind of shows us the water we've been swimming in. You know, like we think, oh, everybody's felt that they're supposed to be this way their whole lives. And the Enneagram awakes us to the idea that, oh, actually, that's just the special pressure that I'm putting onto myself. So... Why is Enneagram so specifically used within the workplace? Because I feel like Enneagram kind of translated and uh, work cultures, teams started using it. I know me and my team, we all took it together. Now when we hire, we ask what everyone's Enneagram number is, like their primary number, because while you just said it goes into the, you know childhood and why we do the way, whatever, there's something very distinct about how it can help in a team building process, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So the Enneagram is really magical in the way that you're able to all of a sudden become aware of the the way other people think and how they operate and what their natural strengths are going to be. Now, of course, all of our strengths are also usually our weaknesses, um, just kind of the other end of the same spectrum. But you're able to say, okay, this person is likely to be skilled in these areas. And I can communicate with them in specific ways. Like type eights love to be communicated in direct, straightforward manner. Like they, you know, have to sugarcoat things. They don't trust that as much. Whereas a type four, you know, when you give feedback, you're going to want to separate that because they tend to be, um, they're going to hold on to the negative and release the positive. So you give the positive separate from the negative. So you can understand feedback styles. You can understand conflict styles the natural, you know, are you action oriented? Are you withdrawing? Are you people pleasing? All of that information is rich within the Enneagram and is so important when you think about company culture and building out teams and how they work together. So talk to us about using it in like a sisterly relationship or a familial. Wait, I want to ask real quick because I think it's something that should be just on an education standpoint because human design, so we've done a whole month. We did human design, we did astrology, et cetera. And those things are based off of when you're born, where you're born, at what time. It's kind of like written in the stars, destinied. But the Enneagram is different. It's just a personality test. So can you, before we get into like how it can relate to me and Maddie and what our Enneagram is and familial styles, et cetera, can you talk about how people can actually take 
the Enneagram test. And since it is a personality test versus like when you were born, can your Enneagram number change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I would say read the descriptions. So get a good book. I have a book called The Honest Enneagram. That's like a great introduction. And you can grab that, read the basic fears, the worldview, and the one that resonates with you the most, that's the one you are. It's way more, it's a shorter process than taking a test online because tests online are 50 to 80% accurate. So it's very likely to mistype. It creates a lot of confusion. So reading the descriptions is the easiest. And then when it comes to, sorry, tell tell me the second half of the question. Oh, the second half was, can it change since it's not destined like with our, with our birth chart? Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So I say no. I don't have, you know, proof that that's true, but I say no. I will say that typically the Enneagram is like this pressure that of who we think we have to be. So this like major message of like, this is what I'm supposed to be in the world. I'm supposed to be successful. I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to be easy to get along with. And so when we hold that pressure our whole lives, it's going to change, right? The We grow and we, we get better and we take that pressure off of ourselves sometimes so it loosens and we can kind of look like other types maybe, but really typically we hold one pressure for, for the majority of our life. Got it. Okay, Mads, go. Okay, so now getting into sisterly vibes and familiar energy, how can the Enneagram be used to either, you know, facilitate deeper connection with your family or with a sister relationship? You kind of mentioned the, you know, communication styles, I think is a big part of it. Uh, You know, making sure you're communicating in a way that's effective for that Enneagram. But talk to us a little bit about like a family dynamic. Well, when we think about it from the perspective of this is who I thought I had to be, we also tend to put that pressure onto everyone we're in relationship with. So if I think I have to be morally perfect, then I just assume everyone else is feeling like they're supposed to be morally perfect and they're choosing not to be. And so when we start opening our eyes to, oh, my sister has a completely different pressure that she is putting onto herself, then I can now see why she does things that are confusing to me or maybe piss me off or um, make me feel or I'm taking it personally. Um, a lot of times our type twos feel rejected by the fives in their lives who are a little bit more autonomous and need a lot of alone time. The twos are the most relational type on the Enneagram. And so when you put those two together, if they're looking f- through the lens of this is who we're supposed to be, everybody's supposed to be like me, well, then we all of a sudden interpret all of the behavior as a direct offense rather than, oh, you're carrying a really specific pressure and a really specific wound, which allows for compassion. Okay. So here's the most interesting thing, Sarah Jane, is that in Mads and my human design charts and our astrology charts, there was a really big distinct difference between me and Mads. We are very different in many ways. And it was so illuminating to see our differences and how we can complement one another and support one another through that exactly what you just said. On the Enneagram, we took the test, so maybe it's not completely accurate, but I think there's a lot of truth here. We're both threes. And I think that at first I was like, is that wrong? Because the other charts have said we're so different. And I said, no, the Enneagram is actually showing us where we really truly do intersect and are very similar because we do have a lot of similarities. So can you go into first what a three is? And then after that, we can go into how the fuck can we relate? Like, How can we not maybe clash heads a little bit? Because when you're we're both the achiever, that can either be really symbiotic or you can clash. 
Yeah. So our Enneagram threes are the achiever. Um, they're motivated by being successful. Uh, their fear is being worthless. And they think like I earn love through what I do and how I perform. And they need a lot of affirmation and accolades in order to feel worthwhile. And they earn that through the things that they do for people and the things they do in the world, the things they achieve. So with that being said, when we have two threes together, let's start with the parts that would be hard. I would imagine there may be um, a level of competition. Well, we did start this podcast with me being like, no, I have the unique <laughs> name and Maddie doesn't. So there's that. Yeah. And threes tend to fear being left behind. And so they want to make sure that they don't rest too much in case other people get ahead of them. And so that pressure, I mean, I think it's probably helpful that you're working together because then you're kind of pushing each other forward in the same direction versus if one of you went and got a PhD and became a doctor and the other one was working in PR and your parents had a preference as to which one was better, that would be really hard. Now, other things that might be tricky is, you know, you both tend to be driven. You both tend to want to get things done and want to get them done fast. And you might need someone on your team who slows you down and makes you kind of look at the details instead of just the big picture and like the end result. The other thing is that threes can lose sight of the pleasure of living in pursuit of the goal. And so you you might have to consistently remind each other that there's a, there's another goal in just enjoying the day-to-day -day of your life. That's so interesting mm. because I think everything you're saying is ringing true for sure. I think just Scow and I have very differing levels of each of what you had just mentioned. I mean, the rest piece for me is very tricky. Whereas with Scout, she has been able to prioritize and find a really, really distinct routine that works for her in regards to rest. And she is very committed to that. So maybe it is something though that, you know, it hasn't always been that way with her, right? Like maybe it has evolved and she has been able to lean more into that because because of what this is telling us about our personalities and she's recognized that this is a, this is an important thing that needs to happen whereas me I'm like kind of in I'm like a few years behind where I'm like okay now I'm understanding that like rest is uh definitely something that needs to be prioritized and so that makes a t total sense yeah and I think that's where kind of what we talked about with like the pressure can kind of go up and go down in different times of our lives so in a given day we may even experience an intense amount of pressure and a low amount of pressure to where some days you know it's easier to operate differently and other days we kind of get caught up into those behaviors that don't always work yeah I think it also makes perfect sense that me and Mads are very externally driven by success I think we're at a point in our life where we are understanding that we get to choose what success means to us and we get to redefine it. And I think it's very important, even with the redefinition that might not look like societies, that we are successful. I think that's extremely important to me and Maddie. Yeah. I would also say kind of with the differing levels, like you mentioned that each of us needs like someone to kind of slow us down a little bit. I think I am that person to scout. And then my co-founder is that person to me. Cause I feel very like in the middle of that spectrum, whereas scout feels like very much on the other end of like, let me just get shit done and like execute quickly. Whereas I'm a little in the middle. And then my co-founder is like very risk averse and will like 
like be like, hey, let's like take a step back. So it's very interesting because I can be that person to someone else. But then I also hold a level of that within me. Yeah. You know why? Or my guess as to why. Assuming you're typed correctly, my guess would be threes are incredible at filling the role that they need to fill in order to be successful. So when you walk into a room, typically threes are able to say like, what does this room need from me in order to be successful here? And then you're going to fill that role. And so you, you together may have filled different roles in order to drive things forward. That makes sense. Yeah, because I um, at my agency, Heather, my director of clients, she's like the integrator and I'm the visionary. And I think she's just now learning how to not just say yes to all of my ideas and actually like rein me in and maybe slow me down a little bit. It's like a process for me. But how do threes like to be communicated with? Oh, okay. So threes need a lot of positive affirmation. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Especially, and I know you you both kind of work, do your own thing, but when you're in a corporate environment, especially just anyone who's listening, who's maybe a manager of a team or something, threes will lose motivation if they do not feel appreciated, if they do not feel like there's room to grow, they're going to be out, they're going to lose drive. And so to keep that three motivated, you need to kind of recognize the work that they're doing and how and, the, and recognize and help them to know that there's a path upward for them, um, that there is a next step and there is a trajectory. That's so tricky, though, when you're the boss, because technically, like, nobody can really, like, my team doesn't deserve to, like, sing my accolades all the time. I deserve, I, I'm supposed to sing their accolades all the time. And so that's, but you're right. Like, I think me and Mads both need people to tell us that we're doing well, that they're proud of us, just to acknowledge mm-hmm. our hard work and our success. But as the boss, and I find that within myself, Sarah Jane, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, does the mm-hmm. team not think I'm doing well? And does the team not think I'm committed? And does the team not, you know, if I like take two days and work from home instead of go to the office, I have all these things, but their position is not to to give me that, right? And so that can be tricky. I wonder where I could find that from. (laughs) Okay. So I have two kind of thoughts on that. So the first thought is um, we have to, like, I think there's an important thing that you did there where you recognized power structure where, okay, because you're the one in power, that it isn't the people who are kind of who you are in, on, in power, I don't want to say in control of, but like, I know it's such a, I hate, we need totally different verbiage to talk about organizational structures. Yeah. So with those people, it's not their job to make you feel good. However, if you want to keep them motivated because retention is your responsibility, then you'll um, not necessarily never give them negative feedback, but just make sure that it's kind of proportionate. Now, with that being said, for our twos and threes and fours, they're in the shame triad, actually. So they experience, they're more inclined toward depression than like anxiety or anger, and they struggle with self-worth. So for our threes, I, you have to get that from yourself, which is really hard. And it comes from, you know, I do this practice where with my parenting, where it feels like you feel invisible. I can't ask my kid to make me feel good about myself. And so I can look inside and just be like, wow, you're a really good parent like you're doing a really good job today. And it comes on that. It's not necessarily natural, but it feels almost as good as someone else doing it. Yeah. I was going to say, because there's this tricky, and I've been grappling with this for a while, especially during this month when things it has come up time and time again, of this desire to be seen, which is 
totally fine. But sometimes I've felt that there's like, you know, either something wrong with me because I place such value on external validation. And I'm like, okay, does that mean that I care too much about what other people think? And like, I get in these spirals of like, oh no, am I doing this for the wrong reasons? Because I need validation and I need that constant. So yeah, like exactly what you just said, where, where it's like, no, 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 recognizing that you need that, that is something, but then being able to give it to yourself because that's the, that's the solution here is like, how can you then practice and put some routines in place that celebrate yourself? And yeah, it does feel a little silly and like, but I think with practice, you, it will become more natural to express self-love and express self-appreciation on a daily basis. And that's something that I think by recognizing that that's something that is very important to me, I'm going to now incorporate that into mantras, affirmations, just like, and it's not about being egotistical. It's not about, you know, and and I think maybe people struggle with that because they're like, I don't want to seem like I'm like self-affirming and whatever, but you need it. Like you need it because you're not going to get it from other people all the time. Mm -hmm. And we've been around those people who are full within themselves and it is so nice. Like we think, oh, if you're like so good to yourself and if you just prop yourself up, you must be so hard to be around. But actually someone who is like in that like really comfortable relationship to themselves, they're so easy to be around and you want more of that because they're not reaching for you. They're not grabbing from you. They're just there contributing and then you get to enjoy the light that they're bringing to the table. I also want to say that threes can tend to struggle with vulnerability because when being successful or appearing successful is so important, sometimes it's hard to let that guard down and let people behind the curtain. And I want for every three to have at least like one, maybe two people that you can be really, really weird with and really like fail, just like all your failures are on the table. All of the things that you feel ashamed of are on the table. And then with those people, you can say, I feel really bad about myself today. Can you help me out here? You know, and just be able to have that person where you can be vulnerable enough to ask for some feedback that's positive. You know, I think that Maddie, correct me if I'm wrong, is that I think that I have done a lot of work in the last couple of years to soothe the shadow parts of being a three. And so, for example, like in my coaching call yesterday with my coach, she's like, is there anything else that's coming up for you? And I said, yeah, I just really actually want to acknowledge myself for what I'm going through and really be proud of who I am today and that I'm in this, whatever the situation we were talking about. And I just took a time to just acknowledge me and be proud of myself. And so that's something that I have over time become very, very comfortable with. And to be honest, that moment is so much more fulfilling than my dad telling me he's proud of me or my husband telling me he's proud of me once you like really, really believe those moments. But I'm just reflecting here. And I think the point of my reflections is that you can be externally driven and successful and ambitious and be proud of yourself and have good self-worth and be confident and want those external things, but really understand that the internal validation is the only thing that will make those external successes be meaningful at the end of the day. So like celebrating the small wins is something we really preach on OKSIS and really falling in love with the process versus the end goal is something that's really important to me. And I know it's important to Maddie too. So it's just really cool to think about it because I can see how 
those shadow aspects of being a three have affected me. And I think the main thing that I'm still trying to work through is the idea of being worthy without doing, because I know that's true. And I know this sounds so weird, but I was looking at my dog the other day and I was just in awe of her. I can imagine this is what mothers feel like when they look at their children. And it's like, you're perfect. Like you're literally sitting there and you're beautiful and you're perfect and you're loving and your soul is radiating and I love you. And when I said that, I was like, wow, Luna's just sitting there and she just got all of my love just for being, just for breathing. I was like, why? That's the answer. That's what I'm missing when it comes to me. I think that my worth is my achievements or how much I've done in the personal development. And that's not to say that you shouldn't be doing those things because I think it's a worthwhile and meaningful and fulfilling pursuit. But in the same way that like the goal isn't the destination, worthiness isn't the destination. It's already within you. Also, I was going to say, you also expressed that type of love towards Harry Styles the other day. And I was like, yeah, Harry Styles didn't do anything to take. <laughs> no, he did, he did a lot. Okay. He did a Harry lot. Harry Styles he did, did a, lot. a lot the other day. He was in a rhinestone jumpsuit singing, man, I feel like a woman with Shania Twain at Coachella. And I looked at him and I was so magnetized to him and attracted <laughs> because he was a man who was just being himself. You could tell that there were no cages, no societal pressures, no, he knew who he was and he knew his worth and he stood up there and he danced crazy and he looked in Shania Twain and he's saying, man, I feel like a woman. And I know this is a tangent, but how many times do we see people that yeah. free? that free of everything and when they're that free it's fucking attractive because it it's attractive i'm sorry i was like going crazy watching that video yesterday yeah you were going a little nuts um okay i want i before we wrap up i do want to ask about a, a couple other of the enneagram numbers just so that people who are listening who are other numbers and also sisters will will link a test for everyone to take so that people can listen to this with their numbers in mind but my I have three like supplementary numbers. So I'm just going to rattle them off and then maybe you, you could just talk to us about what they mean. One, four, and seven. Mm -hmm. Those are my like supplementary guys. Okay. So type one is the perfectionist and that's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, those results are likely just like the top four that you're, you might be. And so it's worth paying attention to that. And if you are someone on who's listening, who's taking the test online, I really encourage you when you get the test to not just go with like, oh, this is my answer, but really read those four because you could have typed in correctly. So when you read those four, you'll know which one is you. But yeah, number one's the perfectionist. They struggle with their pressure that they carry is they have to be morally perfect. They have to be a good person. They fear being evil or corrupt. Type four is the um, individualist or what I like to call the romantic. And uh, they <laughs> raise hands. Sorry, I'm yeah. raising my <laughs> hands. All of these. They are seeking a, an identity um, outside of themselves. So they're looking to find their significance and express that significance in the world. They also have this sense of there's something missing in me that I need to, to be complete. And I'll find that outside of me. Um, they tend to be looking for a title like artist or writer or, you know, something to make them feel like they have an identity. And then type seven is the enthusiast. That's my type. And we like to be free. We like to be satisfied. We don't want to have our options limited. We fear being trapped in emotional pain and we want to avoid being trapped um, in emotional pain. 
Okay, yeah, for sure the perfectionist and for sure number seven. What is it again? Mm -hmm. Sorry. The enthusiast. The enthusiast. Yeah, that's me to a T. I mean, the when I was, I know the test, or I was taking the test and it was like, there was a lot of questions about not wanting to feel quote unquote negative emotions and trying to you know suppress them or at least like distract yourself from them and I knew and I was like oh something's gonna come up here where it's like you're just trying to to stay yeah satisfied mm-hmm. and and positive all the time which is definitely something that I, I struggle with yeah all those kind of sound except the the third one the romantic one that one I don't know if it sounded so the other three really resonated with me when I think about who you are Mads number one really resonated with me that's actually my core wound that's like my core belief that I'm a bad person and so everything I do in my life is to not contribute evidence to that core belief and so I'm going to go back and read the number one because I think the mixture of three and one is very spot on for me but it's weird because you're not really like a perfectionist in the like professional setting though I am so that's what I think people have a misconception about. And Sarah Jane, I wonder if the Enneagram goes into this, is that people tell me, because I'm a Virgo too, okay? And so Virgos are perfectionists and I've never resonated that with that because I don't like look at an Excel spreadsheet and need every detail to be perfect. I don't look at an email, like I don't really care if there's a grammatical error, like the small details I don't really agonize over. But when I walk into my bedroom and the dog bed is white with an undertone of like a gray blue, but my whole room is white with an undertone of cream, like that has to go. It's not working for me. So, and then I'm a perfectionist in how do I show up for people? How can I be the best person to other people? How can I be the best friend? People pleasing. So I'm not a perfectionist in the, I need my bookcase to be organized by alphabetical. OCD. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think there's different levels and different types of expressions of perfectionism. Yeah. And for the one, it's really moral perfection. It's I want to be the best kind of person. So a lot of times that gets the title confuses people because we think, oh, the all ones must be obsessed with typos, which some are, you know, some do kind of put that focus there. But other ones I know are like, no, I have a really messy house, but my internal compass is always following me around, telling me how I could have been better in every situation. And ones are known for having a really intense inner critic that just kind of pounds on them. And it's just like, not enough, not good enough. You didn't do that right. Um, You could have done that better. And that a lot of ones say like their whole life, they thought that was the voice of God, you know, like, oh, everybody feels this. Everybody's carrying this around and the other people in the world are just ignoring it. And so they're like intentionally being disobedient. It's so I I really love this stuff because it yeah as you just said it makes you realize that not everyone else is thinking the same way mm-hmm. you are <laughs> or like not everyone else and so it, it's I mean one it's like a little scary but it's also liberating because you can then kind of release this like oh shit like this is unique to me like some people just don't give a shit about this type of thing and that's fine and like you can just kind of like release that again the pressure that builds up and it's it's just so fascinating to to just know that we're so complex and 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 we could all be talked to and related to in very very different ways I love it 
Yeah, I think it's like when I see people on Instagram and they're traveling all the time, that looks like hell on earth to me. Like they're in Bali on a beautiful, they're jumping off waterfalls, they're in pretty landscapes. And I'm like, please don't invite me to that. (laughs) And I always wonder, I sit there, no, this is something I wonder. I'm like, how can someone just travel for a year? It doesn't resonate with my body, my soul, my purpose. And it's just like this crazy thinking of, oh, people are extremely different and extremely motivated by different things. And they could look at my life with an office and employees and a house and all that and think, oh, hell no, I feel trapped in that. And then I would feel trapped traveling. So it's just really, it's it's interesting. And, and I think after this whole month of doing this with Mads, it's illuminating because it allows you that permission to allow somebody else to be who they really are without imposing your opinions and views on who they need to be. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, Sarah Jane, I know you have a podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, you have a podcast? Enneagram podcast? Tell us where to find it. Tell us how to work with you. Tell us everything that you do in case the sisters are really resonating with what the Enneagram is and want more of this content. Yeah. So I have a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee. It's five days a week. So you can listen to it on your commute to or from work. Five days a week. Oh my God. I'm a seven. I'm like, I, I love, should love to, I love to do stuff. So, and then I have a book called The Honest Enneagram, which you can find anywhere you, you buy books online, especially. And that's a great introduction, but I have another book coming out in the fall called The Gram Letters, which is open for pre-order now. And that is a more, um, you know, it's letters written to each type, empathizing with personal essays and poems written to kind of the pain points of each type. Ooh, love that. Okay, sisters, you know what I always say, if you are impressed by another woman on the internet, if you will resonate with another woman on the internet, if something that another woman put out there on the internet has helped your life, the best way to support them is to pre-order their book. It means so much. I will do that right after this. We'll make sure we put a link in so the sisters all do that as well. It is a really big indicator for how the book's success is going to be whatever. So we will definitely make sure we emphasize that too. Oh, that got me in my feelings. Thank you. (laughs) That's true. That's so true. Love it. Well, thank you so much. It's easy. And have the best day, Seven. Thank you, Sarah Jane. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good one. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.